Greetings, human beings, and welcome to Apartment 303, a podcast for community fans. My name is Dave, and alongside my co-host, Adam, we are here to discuss all things community, each and every aspect of the show, and why we love it. Joining us here in Apartment 303 today is another very special guest, and that is Dom from the Dom and Andre in the Morning podcast. I'm sure many of our listeners are already familiar with your work, but for those who may not yet be... Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks for having me. I'm Dom from, uh, well, I'm one half of Dom and Andre in the Morning. We're a community-based podcast, essentially a rewatch podcast. We're going through every single episode of the show, um, and we especially like to talk about Dan Harmon's uh, story circle and focus on the character growth and development, um, and then just a lot of very wacky uh, sort of off-topic discussion in there as well. So it's very, very long and probably much more more freeform compared to uh, this show. Yeah, we really wanted to see how much fun we could take out of watching Community and by, uh, <laughs> you know, just really go with a, a fine-tooth comb and, and, and take a look at everything. But yeah, we're so glad to have you here, Dom. You know, you had invited Scott and I onto your show uh, a while back now. So we were more than happy to return the favor here and... I don't know about you, but I'm really excited about the content for today with it being December. Of, of course, we want to take a look at the Christmas-themed episodes of Community, and uh, they bring me great joy without exception, and I, I hope you feel the same way. Yeah, so I just, I went ahead and rewatched all of them today, and I, I think sometimes I just have a very bad memory for Community episodes. I'm often just taken off guard by what happens and just how much is encompassed. But I, I thought it was an absolute delight uh, watching all of these. And, and one in particular, maybe I won't spoil that yet, but was just took me off guard with how much I, I liked it. You know, having that short memory, that's got to be a real blessing with this show like Community, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, I think Andre is probably even worse in terms of you know, he's seen some of these episodes uh, as we watch them on our show for only like the second time in some cases. And usually that means he doesn't remember them at all. Like he's shocked by like twists in episodes. And even me, I, I've watched through the show quite a couple times. And yeah, I don't know. It always feels so fresh to me. I think just because they're so they're such dense episodes. They really are. And even if you have seen them several times, there's a bunch that you can take from it. There's always more layers and someone has put a detail, whether it's a prop in the background or just a, a reaction, a nonverbal reaction between cast members. Like there's, it's so well done and so well put together. Any episode, you're going to find something on a second time that you hadn't seen the first time. So couldn't agree more. Yeah. And the other thing that I thought, you know, just kind of tying into the show and in general and these episodes is that, Going through the Christmas episodes is like quite a nice journey through at least the first four seasons of the show. 
Hopefully right. I didn't miss one in five or six. I don't think there was one that... You did not. It is kind of interesting that they just abandoned that after, but I can't imagine how much more room you have to run in terms of doing a Christmas special. Yeah, and, and I think to that point, I, I've heard or read that you know Dan Harmon wanted to refocus on story when getting back into the things once you know he was at the helm of the ship again and took over in season five. And part of that was, you know, not doing the the specific time of year themed episodes and choosing to go a different yeah. route instead. So, I mean, part of the part of the constraint in the later seasons is probably just the number of episodes they had ordered. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you've got a 25 episode season, like why not just do a full Christmas episode? Although yeah. I got to say, I mean, you know, to get into the actual content, I think comparative religion is way more. It's it takes place in the realm of Christmas time, but it still pretty much serves the overall story that's going on, the overall character development, it is kind of like just a cherry on top of what feels like an already, it almost feels like the epilogue to an already complete arc in the first half of the show, but it's definitely more focused still on the immediate themes of the episode. And what I really like about that too, is it follows the format. And again, for me, when community's at its best, it's, it's irreverent and funny and and deep, but it's also, you know, really adhering to the structure of college. So I remember, you know, having to go on winter break and trying to like start celebrating with my friends while I was on campus before I went back home. And like, I think it threads that needle really well. And I think it's December 10th or December 17th. I don't remember, but Shirley says that as she hits someone with a candy cane. Yeah. Okay, perfect. And Uh, which is also so so specific to when you would actually be getting out of college. In fact, in uh, Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, they even say that it's December 9th. Yes. Uh, So it like perfectly adheres to, you know, how, how it would be year to year. But I do, I do like that. And maybe I think that's why comparative religion maybe has such like a, it does give me like a really warm, fuzzy feeling is because that's like the, you know, kind of like a rushed celebration haphazardly with all your friends before you kind of go home and do like the real Christmas celebration. Yeah, 100% agreed. And it definitely, you know, someone was just pointing this out to me. I think when I was talking to You Can't Disappoint a podcast about we recap season one and they were kind of pointing out that this is so comparative religion is so out there in terms of that it's willing to tackle a kind of difficult topic for TV, which is just all these different religions intersecting. And it's done in a way that's not only is it authentic to the cast, you know, um, Donald Glover was raised a Jehovah's Witness. And right. to have that continually focus on here's a wide variety of people and beliefs, beliefs and faiths, you know, that's again, that's what community is all about. So I, yeah, I love that episode. And I think maybe we've built out the anticipation long enough here. Uh, we can kind of <laughs> dive into the, the rankings, which 
I took a look, actually just came across my, my news feed somewhere along the line. And uh, in 2018, the publication Decider did their community episodes ranked in order. So I think uh, what I'd like to do is I'd like to reveal their list. Okay. And then we can go over our list and then maybe talk about a specific episode uh, and just go one by one that way, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Decider in 2018, we'll have the link for you here. Number four, their least favorite was Introduction to Knots. Not surprising. Not surprising. Well played. I see what you <laughs> did there. Uh, number three, they put Comparative Religion. So the season one episode that we both love and oh, we're just okay. talking about. Number two, they put Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, leaving the top spot to regional holiday music. Wow. Okay. Go ahead. I, my, my guess is that's probably not. If you took a popular vote of community yeah. fans, I bet that's not the ranking. So, should I? Can I share mine? Or oh, please do. Okay, so because I would say I, I bet Abed's uncontrollable Christmas is number one for most people. Mm -hmm. So it is not for me. I think. I mean, number four is I think Intro to Knots. Yes. I, for me, Abba's Uncontrollable Christmas is, I think, number three. And with Comparative Religion second, I do think that the season three one, it, it's regional holiday music, right? Or you yes. forgot the title. Yeah. I, th I think that's my favorite. And I think I forgot how funny I thought that episode was. Because I think at its best, a holiday themed episode should just be really irreverent and almost out of universe and also having seen glee i think that adds to adds to the humor for me yeah so that's uh, i'm glad that you bring that up because i have not watched glee i have not seen more than 60 seconds of an episode so i am a little bit in the dark on that but i will definitely okay. say that even to someone who's just familiar with it as a popular culture the space that it occupied, it really strikes the right chord for me. So I I love that episode so much and can certainly understand that. If I'm not mistaken, the actor who plays uh, Abed's dad, uh, Iqbal Taba, he is he has a role in Glee. Is that correct? Oh, I think so. I remember that he's in something else I've seen, and it could be yeah. it could be Glee, but I don't. Oh I yeah, I think he's he's the yeah. he's the principal on Glee. I, yeah. I believe that is correct. That's correct. So that again, that could have been totally on accident, but that makes it so much better. Just how tightly wound mm -hmm. the the meta community universe is. So uh, yeah, I have no issue with your list. I like your your logic and reasoning behind everything. That said, mine is different. Okay, so. For me, uh, Intro to Knots is four. Uh, no surprises there. Number three for me is Comparative Religion, and I love that episode. It's a really good episode. Number two is Regional Holiday Music, which I also love, and number one for me is Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas. Okay. So, yeah, let I, I'm curious to hear what... I do know this is a fan favorite just in yes. the whole show probably so i'm curious like what is your 
What is the appeal for you? And it, it's close for me, to be perfectly honest. Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas and regional holiday music are close. Uh, regional holiday music is funnier. You get more laughs out of that episode, no doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we see Professor Duncan is back, which I love any excuse to listen to John Oliver's voice. And it's wonderful. But the artistry that goes into it, I like. I don't find myself researching more and more about any of the other episodes on this list but last night i stayed up until way too late in the, in the morning okay. trying to find out everything that i could about abed's uncontrollable christmas and i found an oral history and how just amazing it was the whole process of how it got started was an executive at nbc said kind of like in a, an offhanded way oh yeah you guys should totally do an animated episode of community which, you know, Dan Harmon and uh, Dino, I can't pronounce his last name, who plays Starburns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, who's also, you know, involved creatively speaking with this show, not just a side character. Mm-hmm. He said, hey, Dan, we should totally do a stop motion episode. And this is a point that I know is it's divisive amongst community fans. I know Jen from the Community Rewatch podcast doesn't tend to like uh, quote-unquote gimmick episodes and i can see why someone would say that's what this is and i totally get that I, I respect that point of view but when it's done with all of the love that this episode was like the original uh bass rankin films you know the uh, year without a santa claus and all of those like it just mm-hmm. took me completely back to when i was a kid growing up and it, again it's it's an homage from a place of love, not, you know, like, oh, we're kind of making fun of what this looked like or how it was. And all of everything that went into it was just the production of that episode was unbelievable. It takes so long to animate stop motion and you get like 10 set, like a good day on set of stop animation motion gives you like 10 seconds. And like, that's what you take home oh, at the yeah. end of the day. So it's just, it's wild to have that and have a story that makes sense around it, you know, to have it be through Abed's lens. And, you know, it's called Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas, of course. And I'm a sucker for stories that are Abed-centric as well. So there's just like this confluence of everything just hits the right note for me. And it's so deeply meaningful and it's about something really important. You know, when Abed feels like his family is moving on without him, that's so deep and so heartfelt. And it it really gives him a third dimension to his character. I just, it's hard for me to say that I like any other Christmas episode more than that. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely see that. And I can see it as a litmus test between, I mean, really those top three episodes the first, you know, three Christmas episodes, I think that could serve as really a litmus test for what's important to you on community. Because I think if the plot is like your number one priority, you would probably just like comparative religion. If you like the humor or like just the wackiness, you would probably like regional holiday music. And then if you like the heartfelt moments or even, you know, maybe some of the out of format stuff, like, that's like kind of a good mix. I definitely see that. It has a lot of moments that I like, but this is just always one that 
even on I thought maybe if I paid more attention to it today I would like it more. Mm-hmm. But in terms of serving the show other than I I see how it's like a very heartfelt homage, but it just I don't know, so, like something is just slightly off about it to me and I can't put my finger on like quite what it is. It's it's possible like I am just averse to like the animation style and like I I write it off I I, I'm not sure it does have some interesting moments one thing that like stuck out to me is there's a Abed and Pierce moment which yeah in the whole run of the show almost never happens but I think it's maybe just like people sometimes like call me out for this that they're like this in all of the things that happens in community this is what's too far for you because when I was ranking the Halloween episodes with some of the community podcasters, I said that I bump the zombie episode down because it exceeds my kind of sphere of belief right? Uh, in, in that it's real events because they double down and really say this really happened. Yeah. And that's kind of where this episode sits with me, too, is season two, I think on a couple of occasions went just ever so slightly too far. And this feels like one of them where it's just too like in the red of being just an insane thing to happen. I felt that way in season three with like the Chang dynasty episodes toward the end. So I don't know if, if that does it for you or not, but no, I, I do feel that way. And it's, it's hard because like, that's like probably one of my main criticisms of season three. And I don't know that I would get, rid of it because i think it's still good but it's just why it's like i think it's still cool that we got those moments but they're just not my favorite in the long run because somehow it feels like it sullies the show when you feel like it went just a smidge too far so that's kind of a losing a forest for the tree type example for you then yeah absolutely yeah no i I can totally see that And it's interesting, like, you know, I said it's kind of also, it shows the progression of the show because what's amazing about going through this is how every season the show is actually getting darker. Other than with maybe the exception of knots, because obviously since that's sort of outside of Harmon, but, and obviously five and six are, are darker than the four previous seasons for sure but you can see that slow slide away from optimism in some ways yeah like definitely how the how the characters are almost punished for being optimistic and the moral almost becomes like all we have is is each other and then eventually each other goes away too so it's right. very very dark like it's it's almost a summation of the whole slide of the show. Just the fact that Abed's uncontrollable Christmas is a very honest and respectful homage. And then (laughs) regional holiday music is this biting parody. Yeah, absolutely. In some ways to me, it's, I'm just kind of thinking like, I don't know if you had these when you, when you grew up, but I've seen people will take pictures of their kids they're wearing some certain thing. It's like an oversized clothes, right? And then every year they keep taking pictures until eventually they fit into it and then they're too big for it or whatever. 
Like that's kind of what you're describing. Just checking in. It's like a time capsule. Once a year, we check and see. And you you use the phrase litmus test earlier uh, relative to what people like. And I just really think it's a good way to sort of check where are we in terms of Dan Harmon's descent into total nihilism. Yeah, no, that's that's so true. And even I do want to like touch on the season four episode. I don't want to like, yeah, well, let's, let's start there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, dig into that one here. Because it's, you know, I mentioned it's sort of, it feels like it's a slide towards darkness. And then that one is like sort of in a weird place where it does almost seem like it's going to be really dark and like in a, in a Chang dynasty too wacky kind of way. And it ends up being okay. I guess it's, it's just very strange because it's also like as you're watching through, I don't know why, but I always notice the lighting changes when I skip yeah. from one season of community to the other. And season four, the weirdest thing, the lighting is definitely different, but also there are so many close up shots. The framing is so weird. Every shot in that episode is like character's face, character's face. It goes to Troy, it goes to Britta, it goes to the professor. Yeah, except and, for that first scene, which I do like. It's that one of the very few examples we see of a really long, uncut shot, which is kind of cool. But yeah. Oh yes, I I didn't remember that as I was I didn't think of that, about that as I was watching it. Oh no! But I, I I had totally forgotten about it until I watched it today. Yeah. Yeah, and I I remember hearing some of the cast talk about how difficult that was, and now I'm realizing that's probably why some of their acting is kind of off because mm. I was listening to Joel do some of the lines in the beginning of that episode. And I'm like, this isn't terrible writing. The, and in fact, I think the bones of a good, at least as good as a bottle episode can be are there, mm-hmm. but just the shot composition and like the line delivery really throws me off in some of it. Yeah. Once they get out of some of that dumb, like, exposition stuff, like, where Jeff is like, what? A failing grade? You know, yeah. I need to graduate. Like, it mostly goes okay from there. Mm-hmm. But there's just some of those season four hallmarks that throw you off. Like, the Chang-Kevin thing. Um, the This is the one time they use the Dean living next door. Right. So this is, again, like... It's more of a story episode, which is like the other season four consequences. It's like you would probably not enjoy watching this one in isolation. This is probably much better watched as part of season four, where Mm. all the others stand pretty strongly alone, I think. It is so interesting, though, that you can go through this series and just get like a little slice of each season, but also just enjoy this kind of usually standalone story and that's part of what hurts the season four episode not only Mm. as a christmas or not only as an episode of the show but as a christmas episode is most of these you could just tell someone who doesn't even like the show to just watch them and that's also goes back to why i like the season three episode so much and not to mention you know you were talking about the stop motion in um abba's uncontrollable christmas but the original songs in this are, I think, really good. One of them is basically just like an old childish Gambino song, you know. Right, um, right. The I think the Baby Boomer Santa is delightful, although I don't know. I, like, 
Chevy Chase is singing in like a really odd tone when he joins in. Like it doesn't sound like him. Yeah, no, I reference Baby Boomer Santa probably at least twice a day. Anytime I ever tell someone you're welcome, <laughs> I do it as Pierce Hawthorne. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that song is brilliant. And we could we could literally do an entire episode of the podcast just dedicated to that song. It's so good. Yeah, th there's a lot to break down there. By the way, that reminds me of another thing I noticed is, you know, we just got to season two on our show, like I said. And right. I've noticed going from the season one episodes to the season two episodes, every time I like look through the wiki article and the not like the fan wiki but the just normal wikipedia pages for these episodes for season two and three are so detailed in comparison mm. to season one and also yeah. in comparison to season four like the season one and season four episodes are like just a brief synopsis who wrote it you know the season two and season three episodes people have written like a whole theme section yeah uh, they wrote about the production who wrote all the songs like it's it's so detailed and so crazy. And I, I think it's that people like them more. And I think there's also more to dig into. You can dig into how these songs were written. The fact that not only did they parody Glee, but they one-upped Glee in that they didn't do song covers. They actually wrote yep. full original songs that still somehow work in the story. And they also are parodying the teacher on Glee with uh, the Mr. Rad character. Oh, Taryn Killam uh, is so perfect in that role. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and it's, it's also, it's interesting because you even see how like across these four episodes, it's like, how does Jeff and Annie's relationship change? Mm, and yeah, you obviously have the weird sexually charged Annie song. And, you know, then... Scott had a, had a, a few words to say about that and he didn't like it. And I agree that you probably shouldn't like it, but I think <laughs> the fact that it satirizes so bitingly that happening, like, I think it's hilarious. I crack up every time. Yeah. It's, it's like an indictment of their own, like the strangeness of the age difference. It's also making fun of that type of like weird, christmas song like those yeah. baby christmas songs yeah and to a lesser extent um that what's that one it's my least favorite christmas song um santa baby it... which yeah yep is is written by eartha kit and it's just like oh my gosh that couldn't be oh, more perfect that's so funny yeah it's oh there's so many tight circles brought together with that but yeah totally agree yeah and it also i mean that scene also gives us the is this a bit line oh from my Jeff, gosh. which is just oh. like, <laughs> um, yeah, has got to be one of my favorite. Just it's so simple, but it's just like his face says it all. And that's just it, it's such a perfect like moment for like a gif. Just because. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that, that's how I feel whenever anything strange is happening in my life. Yeah, and I want to latch on to something there real quickly as a point of comparison. That is so cartoonishly over-the-top, just ridiculous, that it's obviously yes. a send-up, right? Comparing that to Introduction to Knots in Season 4 in general, 
Annie is like cartoonishly in love with Jeff, but not in a way that is so far off the rails that you can tell it's a send up. And that kind of bugs me because I think Annie's better than that to be just that smitten with anyone over a long period of time. Obviously, it happens in in short bites here and there in the first couple of seasons. But yeah, to me, I think that's it's funny in this scene in regional holiday music, but it's less funny when it's, you know, 75 percent of that and over the course of the season. Well, yeah, it it's in season three. It's more of a joke. But then in season four, you know, Jeff even has a a line in introduction to knots uh, about what did I say about playing house? Right, right. Like it's sort of Annie trying to be an adult now that she's going to be like out of college. It seems it seems to be like the theme they're exploring there. Again, it's like so many things in season four are just like so close to hitting, I think. Yeah. Like all the right bones are there. And that makes it all the more frustrating, too, I think, because like it is so close and a couple things different here and there. People would not have hated this this season as much as they did, but it was frustratingly close, I would say. And even even just the adjustment of it's so weird that knots is in jeff's apartment it could have been in troy and abed's apartment it could have been in the study room just anywhere but jeff's apartment like the unfamiliar set makes it somehow like even more foreign and is that the only time we see jeff's apartment in the run of the series i think it is i i think so because at the beginning of season four they set up that jeff has moved in I can't even remember why he's moving off the top of my head. Maybe there's like some obvious plot point I'm forgetting, but he moves in next to the Dean or the Dean, right. like got the apartment right next to his on purpose or something. Yeah. Like yeah. That. Yeah. What about when and, Chang stays with him? Oh, that's right. Yep, that's right. Good call. We glanced um, right over that one. Yeah. I actually sort of remember. Yeah. I, I sort of remember liking that, that, Chang staying with him bit. Yeah, that was Valentine's Day in season one. Season two. Season two, yeah. If if we struggle to even remember that that happened, then clearly, and if it's two seasons ago, then it's just weird to go there all of a sudden. Troy and Abed's apartment, you're like, oh, this is weird. We're like consistently off campus, but it works so well and you just like get used to it since it's consistent. It's weird to have what feels like a is supposed to be like a consequential episode. It's setting up like Britta and Troy breaking up even in this set that we're just like not used to. Right. Yeah. And not to mention for a whole bottle episode. I guess maybe right. they were just like eager to get out of doing stuff in the study room. That could be. And I think it does try to set up well. Jeff is, is is trying to appeal to this sensibility of their their British teacher played. I think Malcolm McDowell did a really good job with that role. Yeah, no no complaints there. But yeah, I think it was kind of maybe designed as a way to show how Jeff's trying too hard in a way that we see later on with Elroy, but to much more comedic effect. Yeah, that's, that's definitely an interesting point. 
between like him and Elroy, which I always, always like to bring up. But one thing that actually reminds me of one thing that I, f- I feel like I should mention kind of an elephant in the room in the season four episode is the absence of Pierce. Yeah. And I, th- I think this is his true exit actually in terms of production mm. and it's it's one of those things where sometimes when an actor leaves a show midway through, like midway through a season, and they figure out how to cover it up, but they have to they clearly had episodes written and have to fix it in really dumb ways. So it's yeah. also possible that that is part of what is hurting this episode is there's cut lines that have to be filled and yeah, they also they have a dumb reason for why he's not there like he's doing sensitivity sensitivity training, training with gilbert right right and which is it's fine for a punchline, but it can't possibly replace what they would have had in the episode exactly even if you and don't like the character that's another thing you see in these episodes is the trajectory of pierce of i think season one pierce is maybe actually it fluctuates but is sometimes his worst hmm. because they did try to soften him over time and in the season three episode he's just like a friendly old man who's part of the group basically and even kind of in abed's uncontrollable christmas yeah but you know it's like he's kind of harsh and weird and then he he's mean but he softens up a little bit eventually and then he's not there yeah (laughs) yeah in abed's uncontrollable christmas he says that he is staying because there's cookies, but he doesn't leave and he hangs out with Abed because there's no one to, to, to be with to celebrate the holiday. So you can actually feel sympathy for Pierce in that moment. So yeah, that's a really good point. Right. And I, I really enjoy that moment. Actually. I, I love it. Yeah. I don't care for the, like, I feel like the part that's supposed to be the emotional climax of this doesn't resonate for with me for some reason mm-hmm. and also duncan popping in for some reason like takes me also out of it like we can't like focus in on what's going on with the group it, I, I think that's like i i get taken out of the emotional component of it because you're constantly distracted by everything that's going on and they're popping in and it doesn't feel real because you can tell like they're just sitting in a voice booth doing these lines Wait, hold on. You mean to tell me you've never experienced a Christmas pterodactyl? That's a family <laughs> tradition in our household. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was raised raised weird, I guess. But <laughs> but but something about that moment on the train with Pierce and Abed like gets me in a weird way. I I should mention though the thing I like about both season two and season three. I think it's great that they make the characters sing. Something about like having musical numbers just occasionally, randomly on a non-musical show where not every cast member is a trained singer is like really funny to me. And I don't know why. I love it every time it happens. (laughs) It definitely is. And I think if we had to rank the singing ability of the the characters on Community, uh, I'm not going to go one by one, but Jeff and slash Joel... Chevy slash Pierce and Britta slash Gillian are in the bottom tier. And For then sure. 
everyone else is in the in, in the top tier. I mean, yeah, you could convince me that Yvette Nicole Brown, I don't know if she is classically trained or not, but she sounds wonderful. Yeah, Annie, she actually and, mm-hmm. is. Um, I think she was like going to be a recording artist originally. I believe that, yeah. But and, uh, you, to, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, it's interesting that Donald doesn't actually get to sing a lot. And I mean, Donald is now like more known as a singer than he is a yeah. rapper. I mean, his voice is incredible. So, I mean, he's definitely yeah. sort of next. And then I yeah. think. Oh, and Danny, Danny, we forgot to put him in the top tier, too. I, I think Dan, Danny is probably somewhere in the middle. His voice okay. sounds really nice. But I think they also just give him easy stuff to sing. Easy I think stuff. Just, and when there's a harmony, for sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he can hit those, like, high harms. Yep, But yep. they just know Joel is bad, and they just, like, revel in it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess to get back to your, you know, your favorite regional holiday music, the we talked about Annie's song. We talked about Chevy's song. And I love and the one that, that gets me more than i think it will every time is when pierce brings in the choir to sing to shirley yep. and so quick quick note here it bugs me a little bit when they play shirley's character as such a one note christian that's the only thing that's important and condescending but it's so funny when the kids sing to her <laughs> that is just comedic genius yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I'm bouncing around these so much, but it's just like there's – I keep remembering, oh, there's this this yeah, thing in yeah. this episode. It's like hard to even tackle these all at once. But like the fact that it is in the first place that Glee is like a disease that they're spreading yeah. and infecting each other with. Yeah, yeah. And – but yeah, I th- the other thing about this though is the what gets each character in – Oh yeah. It's so funny because it's yep. essentially a distillation of like what is their character's vice or like weakness. You know, Abed's is like, oh, it's like this crazy like one-off TV thing we get to do. Mm-hmm. You know, Jeff's is basically sex appeal. Right. Like Shirley's is, oh no, they're they're not going to teach the kids about Jesus. Mhm. And it's and, uh and Donald's or uh Sorry, I, I I slipped out of character there. Um, <laughs> Troy's is his his friendship with Abed, right? And and then Chevy's is or now I'm yeah <laughs> doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Pierce's is like I think Annie like directly states it. Is yep. they're like appealing to his historical like vanity. Yeah, they're well documented uh, baby boomer vanity, definitely. Right? Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I, I I always love when community plays with those ideas of like, what does each character bring to the equation? Like, if you did boil this person down to one characteristic, what is it? What is their most base characteristic that they cannot they cannot fight basically? And in some ways, it, it harkens back to the season one episode when Abed tells the future about what people are going to do. And he predicts that Shirley would run away from a werewolf. It's like, this is a completely oh, yeah. unreasonable thing to happen. He's but, a witch. Hey, yeah. Yeah. He's a soothsayer. <laughs> yeah. So they come back to like, 
Dan Harmon is putting real people in completely unrealistic situations. And, oh, yeah, here's how they would react if you had to form a glee club to save your community college chances to go to regionals. Right. Right. Well, and and that's like what Abed is upset about in the end is that it's not just going to be a one-off thing. He doesn't want this to be a continued thing, which is kind of ironic and like very weirdly Abed. Like, I feel like Abed's character, if he was watching community, he would have so much to say about what happens in season four. And, you know, obviously he gets some meta digs in, in the later seasons about that. Right. But yeah, it's almost premonition in a way that he does kind of, predict that sort of fate for season four and also the end of that episode i should mention the other incredible line from that episode is the oh brit is in this that is you know in addition to jeff saying is this a bit those are two of the best lines you know it's it would be impossible to rank the top hundred lines from community but those two are definitely in that list I think you could probably rank it by how often the gif of each line gets used on the internet. And I'm so, I'm sure some, you know, data scientist that's into community will do that eventually. I think you've just given me uh, uh, something to do over Christmas break here. That's for sure. <laughs> so ultimately, I mean, sometimes I am critical of the when community just goes for pure comedics or pure parody and nothing else yeah but i think ultimately what will always get me about an episode of community is are they playing to the character's strengths Mm -hmm. and or weaknesses really and i think that's an overall theme of season three is you know things are getting things are getting darker we're like more divided than ever Maybe it's just an episode that resonates with me more in 2020 than ever. Yeah. Is we just do need this brief sort of delusion. Abed, you know, just wants to entertain this delusion that everything is okay. And in a way, it's the same lesson as season two. It's that you can't live in that delusion. You have to, like, break free of it. And that's sort of the thesis statement of, of season two is that like the holiday season is just this delusion in between a horrible dark season. Yeah. And maybe even you could argue that regional holiday music demonstrates that Abed has gotten over that where he was stuck in that in Abed's uncontrollable Christmas. So maybe that does actually show some nice character growth as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like, he's making a choice. He learned that lesson and now he's like making that choice rather than being forced into it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'd buy that. I think the one, the one other thing, I guess, sort of probably the end of my thoughts on Abba's uncontrollable Christmas is I do think it's nice that they get, they do get some like what I would call like character distillation in there through what each person becomes and their little song I'm sure, you know, you could spend hours just deconstructing that. But I do think it's interesting that they chose to bring up Abed's family again at that point. Mm. There's one thing I think community could have dug into more with every character is it would be interesting to dig more into their 
past and home lives, like they have varying degrees of success with each character. Yeah, we with, never see Annie's parents. All we know is that they're a little bit racist, right? Right. Well, and which is too bad because Annie has one of the more compelling and like mm -hmm. well-defined backstories, I think. But, and, and how great of a backstory for that is, you know, just on a sitcom on Thursday night. Like, yeah, she was well, addicted exactly. to pills. What? Like, that's yeah. awesome to be able to give that person <laughs> a story in a space. You know, and that's really like the moral of like all of these episodes is that like, except maybe the season four one <laughs> is just kind of a divergence. Mm. But it is about like, let's give everyone a space. Let's let Britta sing her stupid song. Mm -hmm. Let's let every religion have a seat at the table, even if it's like hard to reconcile our different beliefs. Or lack of religion. Don't forget to Jeff yeah, and Britta. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I mean, they explore so many interesting things just over the course of these four episodes that are overall not related. Again, probably with the exception of the fourth one, uh, not related to the episodes around it too strongly because Abed's family seems like it'll be a really important thing early on. Mm, yeah. But then sort of gets dropped. And this is just yeah. bringing that back in to kind of almost wrap it up forever. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that was a very fun ride going back and <laughs> forth, careening on a sleigh between episodes. But I, I enjoyed that format and seeing, you know, I always enjoy seeing the interrelatedness between episodes and concepts across time uh, rather than just treating each episode as a discrete thing, even though that's how I tried to set it up earlier in the episode here. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, no, I, I enjoy it and I have more fun and naturally that's kind of my proclivity as well. So overall, I think comparing Community then to other TV shows, I really like these episodes even more than your standard fare for a, a, a generic sitcom, you know, the Christmas episodes that you get. So where do you rate community overall in terms of the quality of its uh, Christmas and other holiday episodes? Oh, that's a great question. Well, I think holiday episodes are normally on like a watch through of a show, almost a I'm someone who has to watch everything. And if I were like rewatching a show, a lot of times it'd almost be like a complete skip. Yeah. Because I think that's what the worst uh, of the holiday episodes in community are is the moments where you're like, okay, yeah, it's just like a Christmas special, whatever. Mm. Like this isn't important to watching the show. Also, I'm watching this, you know, it's August. Like I don't want to watch this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this like think about the holidays and, so I think it does it so much better. And it it also points out like the fake parts of Christmas, the fake snow and comparative religion and yep. the fact that it's all just like a delusion. And but yeah, it's I, December I, 10th. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It totally subverts. It does a Christmas episode while also doing an all religions episode while also yeah. doing the story. It does all of this at once. And yeah, it is cool to connect them. I mean, I I'm sorry for bouncing around so much, but like my oh, gosh, brain is just all. like a, I've got all the Polaroids on a cork board in my brain and I'm like connecting the strings. Like it's all related. <laughs> so Dom, you know that Arizona is spelled backwards the same way as it is forwards, right? It's a Palomino. Oh my God. <laughs> what? <laughs> what did you call it? <laughs> a Palomino. That's what Chang says in, um, 
oh gosh, there's a season three episode. It's the one where he's living in the back room and he's got the the leg of the mannequin and he does his cork oh, board. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I'd certainly agree. These episodes in community are a little bit more integral to the story. You can't take it out. And I'm speaking out of the side of my mouth here because I don't know enough about like the, the show Friends for instance, you could probably totally skip the Christmas episode and not be missing anything story-wise. And that's true for something like Frasier as well. So those, you know, Mm -hmm. kind of classic sitcoms from when I was growing up, they're just not necessarily there. And you bring up a great point too, when you had to fill out a 25 episode order for a season, you were expected to do that or had the time and ability to do it. But any more, if you've got 13 episodes in a season or something like that, mm-hmm. it's just not realistic. And I think the last, pro- I mean, probably like my final thought about it all is I think part of why I'm more able to watch, and maybe this is even why Abed's Uncontrollable Christmas bothers me in some regard, is I feel like I can watch these in any season because there's not, real snow on the ground in them i don't know why but like sometimes i feel like watching a christmas episode outside of christmas makes me sad and i think the fact that the only snow you see is like the fake snow in or at least outside of Abbott's uncontrollable christmas like the when they go to the world but is like the fake snow from the snow machine and jeff is like walking by it which Makes it even funnier that they eventually decide to set the show in Colorado. Right, because yeah. If the show was set snow, in Colorado, yeah. yeah, they they would have a foot of snow. <laughs> but, yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, that's, that's awesome. Uh, that was such a fun recap of the episodes and how, again, they were all related and what we liked and disliked and wish were different about them. So thanks so much for spending the time with us here, Dom. And is there anything that you want to plug? Obviously, you and Andre have that wonderful podcast that you've continued to do. Anything else that you want to share with our listeners here uh, before we attempt to reconvene with you somewhere down the road? Yeah, check out Dom and Andre in the morning, wherever podcasts are found. And you're on Um, season two now. So if if, if folks were avoiding season season one, check them out now. And that officially concludes season one of Apartment 303. Has Adam, having missed the childish tycoon, converted his van into a live-in camper dreamatorium in which he plans to roam the country? Will Dave be emerging from the booth to co-host in season two, or leaving this timeline entirely to produce Roundtable Report, his new World of Warcraft podcast? Has Scott been kidnapped or recruited by Dean Sprecht of City College to coach their cross-country team, which, in its current form, does not exist. Find out the answers to all of these questions and more on New Year's Day in Season 2 of Apartment 303.